Welcome, children, to the Silver Scream Fiends podcast. Prepare yourself for some killer kino, some spooky cinema, and plenty of tales of terror. Relax, grab a drink, make yourself at home, and listen to another evil episode. And hopefully, you'll make it out alive. <laughs> Oh baby, here we are in the <laughs> deep in the month of spook. We're gonna talk about the worst movies possible. <laughs> that killer Kino, that spooky cinema. Let's go, Ooh. baby. Let's fucking go. Everyone, welcome back to the Silver Scream Fiends podcast. Ooh. I am your host, Sam. And I'm Blake. And we are going to talk about the entire Halloween series. And it's probably going to be mostly painful. <laughs> but I, th- I think I'm going to have a good time with it. It'll start strong. It will start strong. But uh, before we get into that, I figure we could do our usual housekeeping. Uh, what have you recently done and watched? Let's see. Well, I watched Halloween Kills, but we'll save that. Yeah. Um, I watched Hubie Halloween, obviously. We we had our watch party. That Hell was yeah. fun. That's like honestly a movie I'm gonna watch every year because I enjoyed it that much. Oh, me too. It's become a classic in yeah. this household. And then I just been like kind of like popping on random horror movies. Like I watched Bride of Chucky. Uh I oh, rewatched nice. scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh I watched it chapter two. Like just it's literally like anything that's on TV or like if it's just like on streaming, I just throw it on. Yeah, that, I, I feel that. There's just been so much out there this season. I'm trying to keep up with my Ghoulathon watch list. So I've been mostly binging the Halloween movies. Uh, I did Puppet Master, which was fun. Uh, I did Mad Love, which is like an old Peter Lorre movie. Um, I watched Caveat, which I really wish I could take all of that time back. I spent watching it. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way when I watched it. <laughs> It was so unfortunate, too, because my manager kept saying, oh, my God, you have to watch this movie and let me know what you think. And I'm like, OK. And I did. And it's like it plays off as like this weird psychological horror, but it really just completely falls flat. Like there's yeah. nothing. There's no action. There's no story. The whole movie is just like build up and then nothing happens. And it's like, OK. Yeah, it's, cool. it should have been a short <laughs> story. Like yeah. it, 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 it had no business being a feature length film. And I hate it anyway. Uh, yeah, I've just been watching a bunch of shit, but if you all follow me on Letterboxd, you can keep up with all that boring detail. But other than that, I say we just get into this shit. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, <laughs> so I kind of want to start by asking you, like, when did you first get into the Halloween series? Hmm. I want to say, honestly, it was like, because I always say, like, I was a pretty late bloomer to, like, horror movies, which now obviously are, like, my main thing. But I didn't really start watching horror movies until I was probably like a teenager Mm -hmm. and it was kind of just like i would just go to fye and like buy whatever like cheap horror movies they had and eventually i picked up halloween like that and and watched it like that yeah i would say my entry point was interesting because like you i I mean my dad would show me stuff when i was younger but it wasn't until i was a fully bloomed adolescent that i began like imbibing all this horror so I would say my entry point was interesting because I actually caught Resurrection once on TV randomly. I, I don't even remember where I was. I think it was my old apartment. And I saw like Busta Rhymes was in it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, well, here we go. And 
I didn't really think anything of it because I didn't realize like the impact the series had on anything. So I was just like, oh, it's a it's like a generic slasher movie. And then I went back year, I want to say like uh four or five, six years ago and sat down and watched the first Halloween. And that's when I was like, oh, I actually see what people are talking about. Um, and I watched them in a really weird order. Like I watched the so I watched Resurrection. I watched the first one. Then I watched Season of the Witch. Then I watched <laughs> two. Then um then Halloween Kills. Then 2018. <laughs> then four, five, reverse six. order. <laughs> yeah, four, five, six, and then the two Rob Zombies, which like you know what though? I've come to learn that it doesn't even matter because like it really does. They have retconned the story four times. Yeah. It yeah, is. There's, there's basically it's borderline yeah. an anthology series like like they wanted it to be. It is. Yeah. That was the original plan for it. Yeah. Like you can watch them in any order. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. But I, I guess like, you know, I'll start with the first one and I don't want to drone on it too long because what else do you say about it? Every fucking person has talked about the first Halloween. <laughs> it's a work of art. John Carpenter hit an absolute home run and the score's great. The atmosphere is great. Like horror aside, it is just a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I could see it being an art house study because it really captures everything so well you got great contrasts and lighting you got good characters you got good suspense it's not overtly gory or anything but it does keep you in suspense and it's just, and of course fucking jamie lee curtis and donald pleasance like you know you got you yeah. got a dream team of people there yeah it's it's similar to like texas chainsaw massacre and that like Obviously, now it's become such a huge cultural phenomenon. But like at the time, it was just like an indie movie that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, because uh, Carpenter was really a, a nobody at that time. And him, him and Hill just like created this story and just fucking. And he did not know what it was going to become. I mean, like no one ever does. And yeah. like 300 movies later, now we're <laughs> talking about it. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, the, especially I want to give credit to the score because how that man managed to hit a f- two keys on his keyboard and make like one of the most culturally significant songs in this season and this genre of film is just still beyond me. <laughs> especially because he only did the soundtrack because they like didn't have enough money to like get a real like orchestra or whatever. So he was just like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. And and that's, and and I think the practicality of it is what makes it so good is like working with limited resources. As long as you got the passion for it, like it's going to work. Yeah. That's, that's the story with just like so many classic horror movies. I find like much more than other genres. So many of like what's now considered the like gold standard for horror movies are movies that were made basically like, made with duct tape and like safety pins, like just completely cobbled together last minute stuff, like no budget at all. And now they're like some of the most memorable movies in the genre. Yeah. And I, I think that's, um, 
I think that's the reason why a lot of mar- modern horror falls off for me because everyone tries to make a grandiose production and sink millions of dollars into it and throw in CG and try to like really up the ante with their sound design and try to make it so atmospheric. But a lot of the time it just doesn't work because it's like you said, like it's lacking the charm of working with what you had. And like, I'm a practical guy all the way, you know? Um, so I, I really appreciate that more, but I really like, I do wonder if, if John Carpenter did have the money at the time, like how different the production would be. I don't think it would have been as good. I don't think so. Like either. you're saying like yeah. so many of like the classic things or like scenes and stuff come out of like just the necessity of like not having a budget. And I feel like Halloween, especially like, look at the mask. It was like a William Shatner mask that they just <laughs> yeah. like painted. And now it's like so iconic that with like a huge budget, it might have been some like sculpted, like crazy mask that might have not like hit as well as just like the plain white. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is so crazy. It was a shatter mask. <laughs> I just saw an article recently of Shatter being like, what the fuck is this? Get this out of my face. I don't want this. <laughs> and I was just like, that is so perfect. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like what his reaction would be. Yeah. Um, so first one, great. Love it. Nothing really else to say. I mean, obviously, um, baseline story. If if no one here knows what Halloween is about, uh, back in 1963, we have a, a young Michael Myers. His older sister, Judith, is supposed to be babysitting him. She's making out with some dude, not paying attention to him. And Michael decides to just grab a knife and go upstairs and stab his sister to death. And he gets institutionalized. And um, child psychiatrist Sam Loomis, who's played by the wonderful Donald Pleasance throughout the whole series. Well, most the reluctant of the Donald Pleasance. Re- he was reluctant to take this this role, from what I've heard, which is now probably like what most people will remember him for. I, I was gonna say because obviously he's great and everything, but like Halloween is really like was his stepping stone. Yeah, it's it's what he's known for, but. Yes, uh, the reluctant Donald Pleasance um, is the child psychiatrist to Michael Myers. He gets institutionalized. We don't see this happen. So what happens is like in 1963, the murder happens. And then they they kind of just cut to, uh, I believe it's 78 or something like yeah, that. that. Like, that's when the movie came out. So I assume that's when. Yeah, I assume that's like when they jumped to. Yeah, and I that, might be wrong, but I think it just is like present day. Yeah, and and he ends up escaping, and he returns to his hometown in Haddonfield, starts to stalk and track down his sister, Lori, who you don't actually know it's his sister until... The second movie. Is it the second movie? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's the second movie you find out. Well, that's why the 2018 one, since it retcons the second movie, they're not brother and sister in that. Yeah, and that, uh, yeah. I was gonna touch on that later because I find that so weird. Like, I know that the series has a history of reconning shit, but I found it interesting when I watched the 2018 one where uh, that the group of kids are talking, they're walking and talking, and and like, oh yeah, isn't isn't um isn't uh, that crazy boogeyman killer like the brother of Laurie? And they're like, oh no, that's just some story they made up. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wait the fuck <laughs> um so yeah it was I an mean, interesting choice but i think but i think it has more of an impact that they're siblings yeah i don't hate it i haven't yeah. seen many people like complain about that 
choice. This, yeah, I mean, either way, like it's so in the in the second one, um, they, it's directly after, like in, like at the end of the first one, uh, Loomis comes in to save the day. He's got his gun. He shoots Michael a bunch of times, and Michael falls out the second story of the home. And and like that's literally where it picks up in the second. Movie. Yeah, it's it's directly after. Yeah, and which I love because like you know I watch a lot of horror sequels that you know they they'll take place sort of after, but there's like a disconnect because there's a gap. Like this one is literally beat for beat right as soon as the first one ends. Um, and Laurie sustains a lot of injuries. She ends up at the hospital, the Haddonfield Hospital. And that's when uh, Michael decides to go back on his rampage and chase her down. And uh, and Loomis, um, <laughs> it's funny because like, so the thing to note about Dr. Loomis in all these movies is in the first one, he, he comes across as like a, a really concerned psychiatrist. He wants to help Michael. Um, and as you get into the second movie, he starts to slip on his grip of sanity, <laughs> and and he starts like running around the town, saying Michael's evil, and people are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And and I love his descent into madness throughout the yeah. movies. Um, By the end of like the franchise, he's just like completely <laughs> insane, and like his face <laughs> is all they like make him just the absolute craziest character. And it, it, watching the first one, he's like, a, like supposed to be like very professional, and like he is like the the sane one who's like trying to warn everybody. And by the end, he's just completely insane. Just the, yeah, he's basically just babbling at the end of. The <laughs> I kind of like it though. Uh, I do, I do too. The only thing I will say, and obviously, like we're gonna skip around here, but like on the topic of that, by the by the sixth movie. It, it sucks because like he basically died not long after that movie came out and, and yeah. you could like see he's struggling like he's 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 got a cane he's he's barely speaking when he does it's like he's got a frog in his throat um and so like that was sad but i do love the descent into madness um but back to the second one i think as far as sequels go yeah and you know just to say like Michael goes around the hospital. He starts killing people. Once again, it's the same formula. It works. Why keep it simple? And so then they have like that showdown and Loomis ends up blowing up the fucking hospital. And it's, it's presumed that both Michael and Loomis die in the fire while Laurie escapes, which we know is not true. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a really serviceable sequel. Like I really don't yeah, have many I'm problems. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Halloween too. I like that they like made the decision to change the setting so much. I think that was smart. I kind of wish they did that more in this franchise. Cause it really like sets the two movies apart. Like I like that this movie's in a hospital. It just is like a completely different kind of slasher because of that. Yeah. And I think they, this one, obviously they did have a much bigger budget and it definitely shows in like the kills and the special effects and probably the hospital too, because they probably couldn't have afforded to shoot in a location like that for the first movie. So I think it it's a really, really good sequel. I'm kind of upset that they did retcon it because it is a good movie. And I, I hope that people don't like skip it because of that. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be a shame because I honestly like I I'm I stand this original <laughs> pairing as like yeah. my canon. 
because yeah. it just it makes more sense to me. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's I I did think it was a little weird that they. I mean, I get it. They wanted to like really go back to like basics, but I don't think that Halloween two was necessarily like enough of like a standout movie like some of the other ones in the franchise are that they were like, hey, you know what, let's just cut this out. But I guess maybe it's because they didn't want to do uh, Michael dying in a fiery explosion twice. So <laughs> they said, <laughs> yeah. all right, we will, we'll just get rid of that one, too. Yeah, I, su- I suppose that's fair. Um, but but regardless, it is it's a pretty good movie. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, Season of the Witch, which is the third one. And uh, there's people that consider it the black sheep. Uh, me personally, it's one of my favorites in the entire series, and it doesn't even include Michael Myers. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people would agree that if it had just been called Season of the Witch and not been related to Halloween, it would be considered like a classic horror movie, which now it kind of it's getting it's it's like due respect now. But there are still people who hate it because of the lack of Michael Myers. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has become a cult classic, and I I love it simply because it feels, it ironically enough, feels like the most Halloween-themed movie in the series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Well, because it directly, like, the plot directly is about Halloween. Like, it's um, Tom Atkins, the wonderful Tom Atkins, um, plays, I believe he plays a doctor, and yeah. um and there and there's a guy who's like basically dying and he's trying to investigate what happened and his investigation takes him to this this weird company that's producing Halloween masks called Silver Shamrock and and through that he's discovering like what these guys are doing. I think they it's really weird. Don't they find like a piece of Stonehenge or yeah, something? Yeah, it, it ends and, up being like like a pagan like Halloween ritual that yeah they have part of like Stonehenge that they're using like power. They're like evil deeds. Yeah. It's kind of, I'm sure that this is part of the influence, but I definitely feel it's very like Twilight Zone esque in that it's like borderline science fiction. You know, it's got like all these fantastical elements and like it it reminds me a lot of like an, it could be an episode of the Twilight Zone. And it's also got like the mysterious men. Like in the beginning of the movie, you don't know who they, who they're working for. And Yeah. yeah, it is very reminiscent of like a, true told sci-fi story it's much more like mystical than the michael myers story yeah and and so with the inclusion of all that they manufacture these uh sets of three masks and they plan on distributing them to kids and and they put them on and like once the so a recurring thing throughout the whole movie is they have this commercial that (laughs) <laughs> but that's for silver shamrock and the song it will get stuck in your head immediately it, it always <laughs> it's not does good me. but it will get stuck it's in your not head. good but it's effective <laughs> and so like the the idea is they hypnotize the kids using the central database and they send out these signals all, all across the country 
And when the kids have the masks on, the masks start tightening up and they essentially suffocate them and and they kill them. And um and you could see it and bugs and snakes and like, crawl out of them. Yeah, and, and you could really see that shine one of the scenes where there's this little boy with the, the pumpkin mask on his head and and you see him like trying to claw it off and then his parents are like going fucking crazy and yeah um, <laughs> it's a great scene yeah in general the movie is really good i i think that as a standalone it's great I, and even as an entry point because as we said earlier like the original plan for halloween was they were trying to go for like an anthology series and so it was supposed to be like an expanding universe but obviously, like the litmus test failed. But what we got was a, a really effective standalone Halloween movie. Yeah, I, I I definitely understand people's frustrations, like when it came out in 1982 of being like, what the fuck is this? Where's Michael Myers? Right. Yeah. Like they, they kind of made the mistake of doing it as the third one after doing two Michael Myers movies, which is kind of weird. And yeah, I think if they had just called this season of the witch, it would have been it would have been received very differently and probably would have its own sequels. Yeah, you know, that's um that's a really good point. I think that puts it into perspective. Like we say now, oh, it's it's cool. Like there's no Laurie Strode, there's no Michael Myers. But yeah, I would imagine back then people were probably pissed. Yeah, especially because there's only a year between the the second movie and the and the third movie. So it's like it came right after. And it's billed as Halloween three. So I get it. And, and, you know, it's not like now where movies come out and like every day for the weeks leading up to it, we're getting behind the scenes photos and like plot details and casting details. Like back then they didn't have that. So it was kind of, you kind of went into movies much more blind than we do now where like you can anticipate it. So the, a lot of people probably went in and finished the movie and were like, what, what was that? Did they put the wrong movie on the projector? <laughs> yeah (laughs) um and and then of course years later sees the return of michael myers um i believe it was like late 80s and we get a halloween four and and we got we got michael myers uh except we don't have laurie strode um but we do have we do have a laurie's daughter jamie Mm -hmm. who ends up as the the main protagonist of the film and Michael's just on a hunt to kill his niece at this point. And and something they do that's really cool in the movie, I think, is they they kind of tie them together in this in this weird psychological way where like whatever Michael's doing, Jamie can actually experience it and she like sees visions of it. And so um, for that movie and then for the following movie, Loomis is like trying to figure out like, okay, where is he? Well, well I, you need to talk to me. And um, more so in the fifth one though, but in the, yeah. in the, in the fourth one, it more concentrates on like, at, cause at this point we have a couple films under our belt. And so the film starts to focus on like the, the whole, the whole family, the family drama, Jamie gets bullied and, and she's a little girl, you know, and she, she gets bullied in the beginning of the movie, kids make fun of her like, oh, your uncle's the boogeyman. And <laughs> so like there is like traumatic impact there already unfolding. And then, of course, we have uh, Dr. Loomis, who is uh, further descending into madness. <laughs> yeah. And he starts and this trying is, to chase Michael. And- this is the one where like they start to like disfigure his face. But 
Mm-hmm. It just looks like he like half his face is like not moisturized. Like he just looks like crusty. <laughs> so he's just an insane crusty man running around, which is pretty great. Yeah, because the justification of Michael surviving the fire from two, like it makes sense. But then Loomis just somehow gets out and has crusty face. <laughs> and and I I did always find that funny. But um, and this is cool because like one one of my favorite scenes is like when um when like that truck and ambulance chase is happening and yeah. then they're trying to catch him. And I, I really like that. Um, all in all, really pretty solid movie has one of the best twists in the movies um mm-hmm. because at the end of the movie once they once they track down michael they they also enlist like this small town mob to try to kill him um and then they cut back to the the uh the um the myers house and you see jamie she she's in her like little clown costume, uh, akin to how Michael was on on the night of that killing, and he she tries to kill uh, uh, her sister with with scissors, and and Loomis can see like the the psychoticness running in the family, and he's like no no no, and and that and that must have <laughs> been like the most fucked up thing to witness, you know? It's like yeah, and this is kind of like the first one where you start to see them sowing the seeds of like some of the more supernatural things that will come in later. And uh, they, I think it's pretty tastefully done in this one. This is another one of my favorite sequels along with two. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, really like the atmosphere of this one. This is one of the ones that feels very like fall. Yes. And especially yes. like the, the opening credits. I know a lot of people really love those opening credits that are kind of like these big wide shots of like a Midwestern town with like Halloween decorations and scarecrows. And it's really cool. It's a great opening sequence. Yeah. I, I, I would say Halloween four is pretty slept on, you know, I, I know people have mixed views on it. I personally really like it. It is after four that the series really starts to take a dive. Yes. As does the mask as at, yeah, the mask okay. is not great in four, but after four, it like nose dives. The mask in five, I could have made. I could have made a better mask. What I don't understand is why did they have so much trouble like replicating that mask? Like now you can you can go to like Spirit Halloween and there's a hundred different versions of it. Like it's not like it's impossible to replicate, but they just like it's like they didn't even try <laughs> and and also the thing that annoys me is that in one the mask is obviously perfectly preserved because it's the first movie and then uh there's damage in the second one yeah which the second and- one that is the original mask i i believe if i'm not mistaken they like unearthed it from like somebody had it like in a closet or something and it had gotten like all badly damaged and it looks so different because the actor who plays Michael Myers changed and he had like a completely different shaped face. So like it's this damaged mask that's like on a different actor's face. So it just like really like warped it. And I think it looks cool in the second one. I like I like that mask. Yeah, me too. And that's another quick thing to note is that almost like every iteration of Halloween has had a different Michael Myers. It's yeah. they they change it's that off. Yeah, he's not like Freddy, where it's like one guy's kind of known. There's like every single movie is someone different. I even think 
I think from Halloween 2018 to Halloween Kills might even be somewhat different. I might be wrong about that, though. That that would just be asinine. I, <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I never understood that. I mean, I guess, like, it, you're kind of right. It, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I mean, as long as the mask is okay, which is fucking not in five and six. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I guess it's like, cause he's hiding behind a mask that it, I guess it doesn't matter as much yeah. as someone like, like let's say Freddy Krueger, mm-hmm. because obviously you could tell if it's not Robert England, but like, I, I guess with Michael Myers, it's, it's different, but yeah. I mean, you have like Jason where like a lot of people love the Kane hotter Jason versus like other versions of him. And it's all just, it's basically all just in like the body language, which like, Michael Myers doesn't really have he's not very expressive. Yeah. So it kind of works with anyone. Whereas like people like the different things that the different actors is like Jason do. And obviously Freddie is a killer who talks, so you kind of have to have the same guy. But Michael Myers, I guess it's more like as long as you're as like emotionless as possible, you could make it work. Yeah. Um I I I also like Another thing uh, before we jump to the fifth movie is like, so Michael's in a coma after the events of the second movie. And I just like, I also wonder what was like, it just bothers me that the damage between Michael and the damage between Dr. Loomis is like, there's no, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? There's no Dr. Loomis took all the damage to his brain. Like drove him crazy. Like like Michael Myers, the the fucking cursed undead serial killer, is <laughs> comatose for ten years, and Doctor Lewis just somehow escapes that. Yeah, like, just, I guess that's why they kind of have to make him supernatural at some point because the movies don't make sense otherwise. Like Jason and Freddy are kind of supernatural from the start because Jason's like an undead little boy. Yeah, Freddy obviously is like completely supernatural, but like. The first two movies, Michael Myers is just a dude. And then like after that, they're like, okay, well, he's we have to figure out how to make this guy keep coming back so we can keep making these movies. So they eventually have to like introduce more like fantastical stuff, which they definitely do. Yeah. And and I would say the way they begin to introduce it in four is kind of how I wish they kept it. You could you could add more to that formula, but I think once it gets to six, and we talk about the curse and um, the thorn it, stuff, yeah. thorn, thorn. I was gonna yeah. say like what the name of what the cult is. Once you get into that stuff, it, it kind of falls flat for me. Um, it makes sense, obviously, because like how you're right. How the fuck is he coming back to life all the yeah. time? But yeah, I think like not to jump too ahead, but like. <clears throat> I think that stuff is not a bad idea. I just don't think the execution was very good. Yeah. Because like they they could have potentially done something really cool with that and like introduced these like kind of pagan elements that they kind of played with in Halloween 3, but I just think the execution was just not very good. I kind of when they like announced the 2018 one, I was kind of hoping that maybe it would go in that direction just cuz I'd like to see someone else like take a shot at that. But obviously, they they completely nixed all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, like to me, it this this movie 
resonates so well because it is about the psychological trauma within a family. And I think that you want to keep it as close to that source material as possible. And you don't want to stray into too many fantastical elements. So like in four, just having the Jamie, the niece linked psychologically with Michael, like, like, like having, just having a psychic link to me, it w- was enough to prove like, okay, well, Michael's got some sort of curse going on. We don't need to really elaborate on that. Um, yeah. And you're right. Keeping like it subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Like keep it subtle. Like, and you're right. Like the execution, like did not, yeah, like they later just, in the they just, just did not work. Yeah. Drop the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so now we unfortunately get into five, which is the revenge <laughs> of Michael Myers. Just a um, great mask in this one as well. Which which was rushed into production to nobody's surprise, <laughs> um, but and, and, and poor Mustafa Akkad, who's been, who was the, who's been basically the producer on the entire series until, uh, um, I'm pretty sure uh, he did pass away, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so he was the producer on like almost all of these movies until like before Rob Zombie. Uh, well, even I think he may have even. Oh yeah, yeah. He was killed. He was killed in a terrorist attack in 2005. Oh, okay. So it was before yeah. zombie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he was the producer on like all the fucking movies, which I I, I would have to imagine seeing the legacy tarnish like that in real time must have really been. Yeah. But but I mean, looking back, <laughs> you know on what it, though? Boy, he kept hindsight. making money on him. So. Oh yeah, he. he I'm sure he it def- wasn't too bad. Oh, he was definitely. Yeah, he was. He was good. But so we have Halloween five, which um, <laughs> which like so it starts basically at the end of four. He falls down a mine shaft after after he gets shot by the townspeople. Um, and of course, in in like the biggest, <laughs> I honestly laughed out loud when this happened. So in the beginning of the movie, uh, the the townspeople are shooting at him, and and they throw in the that stick of dynamite, and Michael just somehow manages to sneak into a nearby creek through this mine shaft in a cave, and and just narrowly escape this dynamite, um, and he fucking. <laughs> And I also laughed when he goes into the river and he's just floating. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on yeah, here? Where they lose the like intimidating factor. Yeah. To Myers. Like it literally, yeah. It, it just broke, gets, he gets so goofy. It just broke down barriers for me at that point. And, and you're right. He became way less intimidating. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then he like uh, once again falls in a coma and then he stabs the hermit that was taking care of him in the cave. And and then he returns to Haddonfield. And this one also focuses on Jamie again. But um, Jamie is now a mute in this one. And and like I was saying earlier, Loomis uh, has been trying to poke and prod her to get information out of her because he knows that they're psychically linked. And and once Loomis finds out that Michael's returned, he's trying to get information out of her. And this is where we see Krusty Face really come into play. I mean, it looks like yep. I just want to like touch it. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like? It's just like raised textures. It I looks like a maze. It. it looks like a maze on his face. <laughs> like I like I don't and know. Here, yeah, this one's also when he's got the cane and the gloves. So he's like, just they just really like. He's such like a caricature of himself. It's so great. Yeah. He's just like, 
where is Michael? <laughs> it's just over and over again. And it's like, dude, I know you want to get him, but this poor fucking girl is suffering from <laughs> psychological trauma and she's a mute and you're like harassing her. <laughs> it's, I find it so funny. It's like, I understand why he's doing it, but my, like, it's- my God, it's like, <laughs> um, and so like this one just lacked all of the suspense of the series like it, yeah. it just it did not like even if some of the kills were slightly entertaining it's just like i can't get past him not being intimidating i can't get past that mask the, yeah. the mask it just doesn't do it just looks like a dude went to spirit halloween and got a fucking knockoff mask i think it's probably the worst in the series it, it is it absolutely is um and it like honest, looks like elongated. It's like weird. They like made his nose long. <laughs> and it's funny because the poster shows the original mask. So like the poster doesn't even do justice to how ridiculous this mask looks. Yeah. Um I I will say though that one of the only redeeming qualities of the movie is like how Loomis tries to to catch Michael because he fucking beats him with Jamie and he's <laughs> and when they're in the house in Haddonfield, he's holding Jamie. He's like, You want the girl, Michael? And you want point, the girl. Loomis is also a villain in the series. Loomis, Loomis is low-key a fucking villain. Loomis um, kind of terrorizes Haddonfield just as <laughs> Michael Myers does. Especially you know what makes me laugh too? Is it the second movie or the fourth movie where they're like in the middle of the street and, and they see this kid with oh, a yeah. mask that's clearly not ben Michael Tramer, Myers, the boy and, with the blonde, the blonde mask. Yeah, and he <laughs> fucking explosion. Gets, <laughs> gets fucking hit, and then that just is like, one of one of the best scenes ever. And they just completely disregard it, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, gotta get Michael." <laughs> yeah, literally, Loomis is like, "Oh, it's not him. Never mind." Meanwhile, this kid is dying on the in the street. Yeah, this kid just gets fucking wrecked. Yeah, that that's in Halloween too, and it's a great, yeah, great scene. I, I just had to mention that. Um, <laughs> so Loomis just goes completely batshit insane, and he's using Jamie as bait for Michael. He's like, "You want the girl, Michael?" and and like lures him into this like atrium looking room, and there's a trap. He he pulls down this chain, and there's like a net that comes down, and he tries to tranquilize him with a gun. It's like a it, Scooby Doo trap, pretty it, much. It, it's basically it a Scooby Doo ending. It honestly is but i did love the mini <laughs> showdown they had um and obviously like the tranquilizer doesn't work and 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 <laughs> and what i love is like they um they show like this is the start of like showing that mysterious man in black who comes uh back into the sixth movie and then that's when you find out about thorn and the whole cult shit um, yeah. But but what I absolutely love is Lewis like starts beating the shit out of him with this big wooden plank, and then Lewis suffers a stroke and falls on top of Michael, like in <laughs> like in the most divine retribution ever. Just <laughs> fucking falls over onto Michael. Um, it was Perfect, great. Ridiculous ending for a ridiculous movie. It really was. Um, and at first I didn't realize what had happened. I was like, wait, is he stroking out right now? Like, what, <laughs> what is he doing? Um, and then and then Michael gets locked up in a cell and everyone's like, oh, you know, he's, he's locked up. It's fine. And then, of course, like 
he will never die <laughs> because clearly there's many more movies. Um, uh, there's there's also like that explosion at the police station and and Jamie's told to like wait in the car and and obviously like it, it's it's just a fucking wreck and you could tell Michael broke out and and then oh god do we have to talk about the sixth movie <laughs> it, man you got to talk about Paul Rudd do okay so <laughs> I watched the sixth movie for the first time recently and I was like. Oh, dope. Paul Rudd's in this. Like, we got babyface Paul Rudd. And then then I realized, I don't know, like, he must have, like, taken bad, he must have taken really bad, like, acting advice from someone. He must have done a case study on a douchey neighbor or something. Because he he just comes across as so for those that don't know, so obviously this takes place after five, but I think it takes place a number of years after yeah. five, right? Yeah, I don't know what I I don't know what the exact timeline is. The timeline of this whole franchise gets kind of screwy at some point. It's so weird, yeah. Um, so what ends up happening is so we got years later, um, we cut to to Jamie, who who's now a teen and she's giving birth. Um, the problem is it, it, it's a bun- it's around this cult and the man in black makes a return. And so the baby's basically going to be used for some sort of sacrifice. Yeah. And and then you see and then there's the introduction of Paul Rudd, who plays Tommy Doyle, who um, was from the first movie. Who, who, yeah, he's uh, the kid that Laurie's babysitting. In right. He's, yeah, exactly. And Which also this it, online it says this takes place six years after the previous movie. Oh, six years. Okay. So Michael and, Myers is like fifty-five years old. But <laughs> yeah, th- at this point, he, he, he getting up there. So, <laughs> and, and the Paul Rudd performance just it, it just I, so here's the thing, right? I would have expected something. They were obviously going for like, okay, I'm I'm the survivor. I'm gonna I'm gonna stalk the whole Myers lineage. I'm gonna find out what's really going on. And because of this emotional and psychological trauma, it kind of he he manifests in a different way. But it really just seemed like he was coming across as like a pretentious douchebag. Like it, it like again, it did, it's the idea. Some of the ideas in this movie are not bad. It's just the execution is not great. Like just late into this franchise, they have to keep it fresh somehow. And I think some of the cult stuff could have worked. Like I've seen other movies where things like this have worked and like the whole idea of like having all these like cult elements to it. And like Michael Myers as truly like this supernatural like being is not a bad idea. And like the whole bringing Tommy Doyle back is like this kind of like conspiracy type character. It's not a bad idea. It's just not executed well at all. Yeah. And I totally agree. I I think that the idea is pretty cool because it seemed like a natural progression. If you were going to do 13 more movies. Right. But they're running out of ideas at this point. Yeah. But it's just he he literally just comes across as like Phil Hartman doing an impression of a douchebag. He's just like, well, then, uh, have you heard about Thorn? It's like, you're fucking weird. Like, this is not like this is not working for me. Um, 
And then, of course, enters uh, Dr. Loomis, who is basically on his last breath at this point. <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is limping the entire movie. He cannot speak properly. And it really is a shame to watch him literally dying on screen because, <laughs> because it is because his his final performance is overshadowed by a piss poor Paul Rudd performance. Yeah, at least they got rid of the crusty face for this one, and they just gave him a beard to kind of cover it up. Yeah, I, I do, I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> and and so Jamie has this kid. Tommy comes across this kid. I think they I think the kid ends up in like this fucking um in like a storage unit in like a little locker, and he finds the kid, and he's like. I'm going to name you Steven. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you're fucking weird. And it's discovered like that um, because uh, t- Tommy has nothing to do with the 30 hours in his day, but just look at the fucking cult shit. He discovers that it could, it could tie back to Thorn, which is an ancient Jurid curse. And, <clears throat> and he, and he discovers that Steven is probably going to be the final sacrifice because one child from each tribe is chosen to um to bear the curse and and he's like well it's obviously steven because he's the child of jamie which, which like, again not an not a bad idea yeah. it's kind of a cool idea on paper as yeah. a movie concept but you know yeah um and meanwhile michael kills pretty much everyone close to them <laughs> as usual and uh and and this is just where i stopped caring this is also like, this is, this is the movie where we get the fat Michael Myers mask. The mask is very wide in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It, it, so many times I wanted to like reach into the screen and yeah, we like, get this is chubby Michael. Just close it up. Wait, what do you do? <laughs> it's gonna fall off, Michael. Stop. <laughs> uh, so then it um it go it goes back to I think they go back to like a ward or something and. And this is like this is where I mentally checked out, honestly, because now they're dealing with the cult members, and I just I couldn't care less at this point. It, it's it's like yeah, they're doing experiments or whatever, and 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 Tommy like, and then they try to like have this final showdown between Tommy and Michael, which you think is going to be really cool, and then Tommy just like tries to inject Michael with shit and and knock him unconscious with a lead pipe, and I don't know, it, it just didn't really work for me. Yeah, I, just, I didn't really care for it. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, they leave Smith's Grove, um, and the Michael mask is on the lab floor. And then you hear, which at first I didn't realize it was Loomis screaming at the end. Like I thought it was just someone else in the ward. But at the end of the movie, it's Loomis screaming, and and it's presumed that he is killed because obviously, like he dies in real life, and he's no longer in the series. Until we get to Rob Zombie, but we will we will leave that for later. Cross but, that um, bridge when we get there. <laughs> yeah, that that unfortunate bridge. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just like the concept was it was there, and I think that I you know honestly, out of all of the Halloween movies, if they were to ever say let's do a short series, I would actually like them to try six. I would like them to try the cult shit. Yeah. In, in in a format that would bode way better because I think that there's some interesting concepts there. Mm-hmm. It could have worked with someone else like handling it, I think. <clears throat> We've kind of seen it work. I mean, you kind of look at like the Fear Street movies 
kind of have that sort of element to it where it's like a slasher, but it's this bigger story about this curse. And so it's not impossible to pull that off. Yeah, it could, it could totally work. And I think that it just, it just really suffers from its own legacy at this point. Cause to me, mm-hmm. it's like simplicity is best. And I know they're trying to change it up and keep it fresh, but man, if it works, just fucking leave it. Like that's like, it's yeah. no secret why my favorite ones or just it's just Michael hacking and slashing. That's it. That's we don't need anything else. Yep. And and like that that runic. By the way, I just want to say before we move on, the symbol they use for thorn it is so fucking lazy to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's literally just like it's like a rectangle with a triangle. It's like yeah, really, you couldn't have couldn't like something drawn cooler. something out better than that. Yeah. <laughs> But again, it's just like another thing that feels just like tacked on to this movie as much of it does. So it's kind of fitting. <laughs> it's fitting to have a lazy symbol. It, re- it really is fitting. Um, and now we get to H2O. Uh, now, unfortunately, Donald Pleasance is dead. So there's no more of him. And and they and they briefly touch on that in the beginning of H2O I believe I think I think um I think people are talking and they're like oh yeah that used to be uh, Samuel Loomis's house and he died and whatever and and so now we have the return of Laurie Strode a la Jamie Lee Curtis which which was so nice and refreshing after yeah. watching 5 this and 6 the, the first of two returns of Laurie Strode yeah <laughs> the and, other and one so, being in 2018 right so from what I understand this is another retcon so this yes. one basically ignores everything that happened before it and just goes right to this. Um, yes. And it happens 20 years later, and it's supposed to act as a direct sequel to the first two movies. Um, and then we obviously find out Laurie Strode faked her own death because like throughout the series, you see, oh, no, Laurie Strode died in a, what was it, like a car accident, she claimed. Yeah, something weird, yeah. Yeah, and, and then obviously we find out she faked her death, which which is brilliant because if you're trying to escape a fucking mass murderer like this, like that's probably the best thing to do. Um, <laughs> so I appreciated that. Um, and then you find out that she had... And so like the other weird thing, too, is like obviously they retcon everything, but the continuity of like the kids that everyone has in this movie, like she has a son now who's played by josh hartnett who like josh hartnett with an insane haircut with with oh my god i (laughs) listen man i that dude need a barber like that that his haircut's wild in this movie it is most of the haircuts are wild like (laughs) like Lori, i don't really it's whatever but yeah which it's like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) um so you can see that all this time has passed. Lori is trying to protect her son. Her son wants to go on this trip to, I believe it's like Yellowstone. She's like, she's like the head mistress of a private boarding school where her son also attends. And, and the, the, the events of the murders 20 years ago still haunt her, obviously. And you mm-hmm. can tell like she's starting to descend a little bit in alcoholism. Yeah. And and this and, one too, unlike mm-hmm. the new ones, she is his sister in this one. Yes. They yes. kept they kept Halloween too in this one. Yeah. And and I really and like I said, I think to me that like I want that to be the canon. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, like, I, I don't mind that. Yeah. Like, I think the, like, cause the mode, like, especially when you get into resurrection, uh, because the beginning of that movie, like is a direct tie to, to that sibling rivalry. Um, but with H2O, I, I really, um, I really love, uh, I love that we have LL Cool J in this. Yeah. (laughs) There was like that beautiful era in, in like late nineties, early two thousands, like this and deep blue sea where we just had LL Cool J and like all these (laughs) horror cameos. And it's so great. He's like, he's like an aspiring fiction writer and he's a security guard. So like he'll sit in his booth and he'll read the fanfic to his, I I presume it's his wife or his girlfriend. And, (laughs) She's like, you gotta stop this shit. Get a real fucking job. <laughs> but anyway, so so Lori's son wants to take this um class trip to I forget if it's like Yellowstone or Yosemite or someplace like that. And she's afraid of letting him go and being alone on Halloween night because of the events that transpired. And and Josh is lashing out, like, no you got to fucking let me go. You got to, you got to rip this cord out. Michael's dead, whatever. And of course, as we figure out <laughs> soon enough, he is not dead. Um, and, Do they and, explain in this one, how he's not dead? I don't remember. I don't really know because like I mentally checked out of these. Yeah, movies. It's... Like, like I was like, I would see myself watching these movies and I'd be like, Oh yeah, okay. Another kill, nice. Yeah, another kill. I wasn't you know really like Vegas. Yeah, this to- deep, this deep <laughs> into the series, you just accept it that he's okay. Whatever, Michael's alive. I, I don't need to be explained. Yeah, because H two O, we're already ha- what seven movies into the series. Like, yeah, I don't really. It's it's really hard yeah, to take this a is twenty. <laughs> this is twenty years into the franchise, so <laughs> at this point, fuck it, he's alive. <laughs> yeah, fuck <laughs> it. Um, so then there's like this Halloween party that happens, and then of course, uh, John and his friends, um, well, his friends mostly start like getting slowly killed, and. <clears throat> And Lori realizes, uh, and another weird, like, intersecting plot line is Lori is seeing um, a guidance counselor that that's like also at the school, and and she, she because she faked her identity, she eventually reveals she is Lori Strode. <clears throat> And that, and I love, I love that. Like they're they're on the couch making out. She's like, yeah. By the way, I'm Lori Schrode. It's just like, <laughs> like, all right, dope. Put it in anyway. So Sick. we have, <laughs> and so Lori's like, wait, fuck. My son is the same age I was when when Michael first attacked. So that obviously is like. Okay, there's, there's like it, it. There's really no reasoning for it, but that was kind of their way to shoehorn in the reasoning for Michael coming back. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, it's been exactly twenty years. That's gotta be the reason. And Which again, at this point in the franchise, you just accept it. Yeah, I'm just like, all right, fuck me up, but, <laughs> um, and obviously, like, there. So then, between Laurie, John, and John's um girlfriend, there was like this chase, and they. And and I almost thought like when like when they get in the van and they try to leave the gate and Lori comes out. It's like, what are you doing? Like I thought something was gonna happen, like a knife was just gonna like fucking fling through the air or some shit. Um <clears throat> but then we have uh, a face off between Lori and Michael, which 
I think is is pretty cool. I I think it's probably one of the better face offs in the series, and um, it eventually leads with uh, a a van getting stolen by Lori. Like they they think uh, he's dead because she she pushes him over a balcony, and so she steals the corner van, which I think is great. I I love <laughs> that so much, and <clears throat> and he awakens in the back of the truck. And uh, trying to attack her, and she she drives, and she repeatedly like, drives the van into Michael, and and then just leaves um, down a steep hill. Lori tumbles out, and now Michael's pinned between the van and a tree, and and this is great because you're convinced it's Michael, right? Like like he's not talking, he he he's still kind of showing the evil in his eyes but at the same time he's trying to reach out to Lori like oh help me and 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 she like begins to and then grabs an axe and fucking decapitates him which and, is pretty sick which i which i loved right yeah and so that movie ends and we're like oh okay like there's possibly no way Michael's <laughs> head is gone it is off of his body at this point in the in the cannon he which um i do want to say it is actually really cool that um there's a cameo from janet lay who is jamie lee curtis's mother who um who played the uh who played marion and psycho uh there's a cameo of her in h2o i forget exactly who she plays uh she was either like a teacher or a secretary or something but but i thought that was cool like i thought yeah. that was a cool nod to include her in there also a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt also in this movie. Oh yeah, I I totally forgot about that. Yeah, in the beginning of the movie we have a uh, baby ass Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. <laughs> I think he plays Will or something. And, yeah, or he's Jim, like the neighbor Jimmy or something. something. Yeah, and, and and he he goes into this house um and and he like sees beer in the fridge and he starts pocketing it. I thought <laughs> actually his death was one of my favorite cuz um that woman walks back in the house and just sees him with the, with like the, the hockey skate, like in his face. (laughs) And I thought, I thought that was a great kill. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so now we have resurrection, which which, also H2O mask also unbelievably bad. Yeah, I did. This is the first mask with eyebrows and Michael has a pig nose. That that is true. Um, okay. Twenty yeah. years later, still can't get the mask right. Yeah, and if I recall correctly, in Resurrection, he's sort of also have like that a little bit of the pig nose too. Yep, still terrible. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so now, so now we have Resurrection, which uh, <laughs> which immediately picks up uh, right in the psych ward where Laurie Strode is, and you find out that she killed an innocent man <laughs> and and so the and the justification for that is well michael crushed the larynx of a of some worker or a paramedic and, and tricked lori into thinking it was michael which like fucking it brilliant. is like it is, is truly truly an exercise in screenwriting to figure <laughs> out how to make that work that honestly I liked that. I I thought yeah. that was pretty fucking insane. Um, it's so, so ridiculous. So she's riddled with guilt, and at first you see her; she's a mute. She's taking medication. She she hasn't talked since the events of of that night, 
Uh, but then you find out that it's all ruse. Um, she's hiding pills in in this little stuffed animal she has. And it was all um, an elaborate scheme to try to set up Michael because she knew Michael was going to keep coming back for her. I mean, you'd have to assume at this point, he's probably going to keep trying to kill you. <laughs> so so then like it opens up with with absolutely no hesitation. Michael, Michael tries to kill her again. And she leads him to to the roof of the ward. And there's a trap there, and she gets Michael dangling by by this giant pulley machine. And and of course, in an act of absolute stupidity, and it's like I understand because she's riddled with guilt and she didn't want to make the same mistake, but but she goes to lean in and make sure that it is Michael and try to take off the mask. And of course, he fucking grabs her, chokes her down, pushes her against the wall, and stabs her in the back. And and this and the delivery of this line is great. Um, before she falls down, she just goes, see you in hell and kisses him on the lips and just and falls down. And that's all of Jamie Lee Curtis you see in this movie. Which is by her demand. She did not want to do this movie. And she agreed to do it as long as they like fully killed off Lori finally. Because she just was against the idea of doing this movie. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I, I think that works because of the events of this movie. Because basically... Um, what ends up happening is there, there's like this webcam show, uh, Dangertainment, I, I believe they call it, and it's run by so 2002. Yeah, and it's it's run by the power couple of Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks, <laughs> <laughs> and and so they pick out um a bunch of people to appear on this webcam show, and and they and of course because this is a great idea, they decide they're going to hold it in the old home of Michael Myers. And, and, and Busta Rhymes is uh, Freddie. I believe his name is in the movie is seeing nothing but dollar signs. He's like, yo, we're going to be fucking rich. And, and that, and that's just kind of his motivation for everything. And, and so you have this cast of people and there, and there's really, from what I understand, I don't think there's a connection to the Myers family. I think it's just a random group of college kids, right? Yeah, I think they just gave up on that at this point. Yeah, and, and which which I actually like obviously I don't think Resurrection was a great movie, but I think I think it was good that they did not con- try to continue the lineage. Um especially like after the events of H2O, it's like how much further are we going with this? Like Lori's dead. <laughs> like pretty much everyone in the family's fucking either dead or in witness protection. Like we don't need to continue that. Um, so, <clears throat> so we have this, uh, we have this internet reality show going on and you can already tell what's going to happen. Uh, one by one, they all end up dying. Um, the main girl, Sarah, she's hesitant to actually join, even though she gets picked. But um, she ends up agreeing because her her one friend eggs her on, and and Freddie is very insistent on on keeping her around. Which, which by the way, uh, when she goes to talk to Freddie in his apartment, I love that he's he's watching a nondescript kung fu movie that has a made up actor. Like I, I tried to look this up. I think it's like <laughs> what not Chun or something like a ridiculous name and. 
He's like, oh shit, I gotta get back to this. Um, anyway, uh, that does come into play later in the movie because he thinks he's a fucking martial artist. But anyway, um, <laughs> we have this really stupid internet show, and there's actually this random guy who I think I think he's just somebody who has a crush on Sarah and he found her like through the internet and he, he becomes like this IT guru that ends up protecting her throughout the movie um i don't really know like what else beyond that but uh then we have the the whole rest of the cast uh trying to like they're starting to get creeped out trying to look through the house for secrets and and then freddie decides it'd be a great idea to dress up as michael and try to scare them uh and which there's like uh this great back and forth between him and the crew. They, they turn the cameras off and he's like, listen, I'm trying to get a nest egg here. If you guys don't want your share, that's fine, but I'm trying to get a piece. And I was just like, all right, this is, and I was almost absolutely convinced that there was going to be a scene where somebody mistook Freddie for Michael and stabbed him. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was almost convinced of that. Um, Cause the last time I saw this movie was like, 15 years ago i think so i didn't really remember much from it um but i was like that would have been fucking funny like yeah. imagine Buster i'm just getting stabbed <laughs> <laughs> like i was almost certain of that yeah they should have done that and then we have tyra banks who just to just to rewind a little bit so there's this cameraman named charlie who's setting up one of the cameras for the internet show and we have tyra banks and, and this is great. She has her monitors up. She she can see everything going on. She can see Charlie setting things up and she's talking to him with a walkie-talkie. And we and Tyra Banks decides, I'm going to make the most decadent cup of I don't know if it was supposed to be cappuccino, coffee, hot chocolate, but she decides this is gonna be a perfect time to make the most decadent, elaborate cup of whatever. She She's got like the the coffee in the cup. She puts whipped cream. She's got like toasted chocolate. She, and then of course, um, in this time, Michael kills Charlie and has enough time to drag his body to kill him, drag his body, and put the camera back in the spot with the tripod it was originally in for Tyra Banks to look at the camera and see that everything is fine. <laughs> um, like because of fucking course, that's what happens. And so, yeah, I, I mean, again, it's one of those things where the concept is cool, like Michael's stalking everyone one by one and, and killing them in this house. Uh, but it just, it really, it it doesn't really do much for me. Like, I, I didn't really think the kills were extraordinarily cool. I, I did like the whole aspect of, so Deckard is is at this party and, and he's monitoring the show because he, he promised Sarah that he would do that. And one by one, people keep coming into the room during the party, like, oh, what's going on? Is this the, is this that new Dangertainment show? And, and everyone at first thinks it's fake, right? Like, that. that's kind of like, it just, it makes sense. They would think it's fake. Like, they're drunk and it's a show. And then you can quickly see, like, no, everyone is dying. Like, especially when that <laughs> one girl's, um, I think her name is Jen, her head gets cut off clean. And, and it, it stumbles in front of the camera at the bottom of the stairs. And they're like, uh, 
all right, this might not be a joke anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it didn't really, it didn't really do much for me. I, I, I do like it towards the end where Freddie comes back in when, when Sarah's having the showdown with Michael and, um, and they light shit on fire and he's like trick or treat motherfucker. And oh, it's so great. And, I remember, yeah, I remember yeah. there's one line in the trailer that's, I can't remember which line it is. But Buster Rhymes says something like that. And it's just like, I, I remember seeing it on TV when this movie was being like, uh, like marketed and, and it was just so great. <laughs> this, this, uh, this movie's terrible, but like, it's so, it's such like a time capsule to 2002 that it's worth watching just for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the most early 2000s horror movie. You yeah, get. like a hundred percent. Um, You got like that fucking like a candid internet show and yeah it's so it's so of its time yeah the cheesy dialogue and the sexual innuendo and (laughs) tension and yeah it is absolutely a product of the early 2000s um but yeah uh and then of course at the end of it all we we have a we have a (laughs) we have a fucking undead michael just suddenly awakening and that's when they cut to the end of the film and that's it and yeah i just i really i definitely at this point um i appreciated like that nostalgia but i was like eh, I yeah <laughs> you can understand why this is the last of like the original like canon that they ever made because like the it had kind of just run its course by this point yeah it's it really it really I won't even say it was a nice send off, but like, I'm glad that that's where that part of the series ended. Yeah. Cause I'm like, if well, they did by it, the end of, yeah. by the end of resurrection, like the entire connection to the original movie is gone. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. It's, it's literally just like, okay, Michael Myers. That, that yeah. Was it. I can understand why after this, they went the reboot route instead of trying to like, keep this up. So speaking of which, that now brings us to Rob Zombie's takes on the Halloween series. So I've actually never seen the Rob Zombie ones. You know, I've I, I've watched a, a fair amount of zombie movies, but I I I'd, I'd known about its existence, but back then I wasn't like big into Halloween or horror. So I was like, yeah, yeah. whatever. See, this came out when I was first getting into horror, so I saw these. I saw this in theaters. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, so I really enjoyed the first half of the movie. I, I in in the first um, in the first zombie one, which is basically just a, a an exact remake of the first Halloween. Except, what I think is really cool is that they show the harrowing transformation of Michael and and how he had this fucked up childhood. He had an abusive, not dad who was just a drunk. Uh, His mother was a stripper who obviously has to be played by Rob Zombie's wife. Um, And so it's like, obviously like there's legitimate family trauma there. It, It is the most Rob Zombie take on the series. And this this was in the heat of the age of gritty like origin stories. Cause this was around when all of the studios were doing these horror remakes, like Texas chainsaw. Yep. Uh, Friday the 13th was a little bit later, but Halloween, like they, they did a lot of these at this time. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I personally like this movie. It's very like, again, I haven't watched it in a while, but I was 14 when it came out. So like I saw it and loved it when it first came out. And I don't know if I would still feel that way if I saw it now, but it was like kind of like, it was like a formational, like horror movie for me. It was one of the first ones that I saw that I like understood on my own. So I like it. I, I like a lot of the choices that he made. Obviously it's very Rob zombie. All of his movies are, it's like it, which I, I don't like hold against him. That's his thing. It's like saying a Tarantino movie is too Tarantino. It's like, yeah, cause that's what you're watching. You're watching a Rob zombie movie. <laughs> Right. So I don't I don't fall to those things. And uh the mask finally looks good again in this movie, which is great. Yes. Yes, I like the mask in this one. And one thing I, I also like a lot about this movie is I think this like version of Michael when he's an adult is one of the scarier ones because he got an actor who is like seven feet tall to play. Huge. Him. So Michael is like a giant in this movie, which is yes. different, but I like it. Yes, I think this is easily the most intimidating Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah, because he's fucking huge. Yeah, I like how he kind of goes into why Michael wears a mask. And like, uh, I thought he made some good choices. Yeah. Origins of things. If you're going to give a backstory to this character, I thought he made choices that made sense. Yeah, me too. And and I think like, as far as the first half of the movie and showing... uh, Sam Loomis trying to get into his head, who is played by the brilliant Malcolm McDowell. Mm-hmm. And I think he does. Job. I, I like his Loomis. He, he, he does a good job until we'll, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> so, but that's not his fault. So, so yeah, we, we have Sam Loomis trying to get in the head of Michael. And at first Michael is willing to speak with him, but he's obsessed with hiding behind masks because he's ashamed of looking at himself and what has happened. And then he just becomes a complete mute. And then we see like, before he gets released, he's just staring at Loomis. He just has not said anything in like 15 years. And, 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 um, and that's when he begins his escape and starts killing everyone. And we have a, we have a cameo from Danny Trejo and, uh, <laughs> and I thought, yeah. I, I thought I liked his inclusion because it's like somebody who had been taking care of Michael for a while, but somebody that you knew was going to be caught in the bloodshed of it all. Yeah. Which I thought was a, again, a really good choice. Cause it's, it's the perfect way to show that Michael is just like a blank slate. Like he does not right. care that this character was like kind to him or whatever. He is just totally like a yep. killing machine. Yeah. It's like no hold bar. Like this is it. Like everyone right. is dead. <laughs> um. So yeah, like, like I said, this pretty much like after the first half of the movie, this, pre- well, I would say like fairly beat for beat is a remake of the, of mm-hmm. the first one. Cause like, cause like, also, there's, yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to, I was just going to say also love to see Brad Dorf in this movie. Yes, that that is true. Um, he uh, he plays what the sheriff of yeah, uh, he's the sheriff. He's Sheriff yeah. Brackett. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> so it, it, I do I do really like that. A, a lot of it was just like a homage with his own take. You know, they they had a lot of similar scenes, right down to 
uh, two of Lori's friends, uh, the ones who the, the girl after sex is like, all right, go get me a beer. And he goes and, and it, the guy dies in the same way he dies in the first movie. And then he comes yeah. back with the fucking the the bed sheet draped over him. And so I thought like, yeah, a lot of the choices in this movie were pretty solid. I, I think it did work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um and it's you know it is one of those things though where as much as i did enjoy it at times it was it was difficult to remove yourself from the original just because of how faithful he was trying to remain and so like there's times where i was like oh i like it but also like i've kind of seen it before like it's a grittier take but man i i like when you have such a strong first half of a movie it's like you kind of wanted to see a little more of that, but all in all, overall, I liked it. Like, yeah, I, it I like it too. Yeah, I think I that my good. main feelings toward this movie are that I think that Halloween was a weird one to get Rob Zombie to do the reboot for. I really wish they had got him to do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot. Oh, that came out around cool. this time. Yeah, because. I just feel like it's more fitting of his, like, I mean, his movies are basically just his own version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So obviously that's not his fault. It's whatever studio hired him to do a movie, but it would have been cool to see that. And uh, so I obviously, he kind of brings more of like a Texas Chainsaw feeling to this movie. It's much more brutal. It's much more violent. Than a lot of the other ones, especially the original, which has like no, very little blood in it at all. But I think he pulled it off. I like it. I think a lot of people my age that are horror fans are fond of it because of those like memories. So I, I think it's good. I, I think it gets a lot of hate, but I, I don't really agree with it. Now, see, where the hate is perfectly justified is the follow up <laughs> because, right. man. This this is a case study of how not to do another movie. It it just, like, it just did. So, okay. So, I guess we just get into it. So, um, we have... We have uh, Laurie Strode at a sanitarium because she is completely fucked up from the events of the first movie because she she shoots Michael in the first movie and, and in the second one, like, she was convinced he's dead, um, but she's she's just like in like this really psychotic state, dealing with her trauma, um, and and th- okay, and this is where like this is one of the worst decisions I've seen someone make with a character in any movie. Um, Rob Zombie decides he's going to turn Doctor Loomis into a pompous, arrogant, pretentious, greedy asshole. Fame hungry. Right. Like, like, because in the original movies, Dr. Loomis, above all, cares about ceasing Michael, like making sure that he is not killing. And yes, he does some questionable things and he's a little cuckoo, but he has a good heart. And he just wants to make sure Michael's dead. This Loomis just cares about money. And and like he wants to write another book and what he does. And it's just like 
I, I can't like that. That pisses me off so much. Like I know, I know it's Rob Zombie. It was a very Rob Zombie thing to do. It was a very gritty thing to do, but it just, man, when you have a character like Loomis and you do that, it it pisses me off. <laughs> like I just, I did not like that. Yeah, I I had read that very similar to what I said about Jamie Lee Curtis. Rob Zombie did not want to do this movie, but the studio was like, "We're making a sequel, no matter what," and he was like, "Well." if you're going to make it no matter what, then fine. I'll direct. Like, I don't think right. he wanted someone else to like ruin his vision. But so I think he, I think literally he was just like, fuck it. I'm going to make this movie just insane. Yeah. And, and that's definitely what it is because um, up until now, we haven't really had, obviously we've explored elements of the trauma in the Myers family and with Laurie Strode and all the relatives and we've dealt with a few cult elements like in, in, in the fourth and the sixth movie. But Zombie decides we're just gonna completely flip the script and we're gonna and we're gonna introduce the the ghost of the mother and a younger Michael, and they're gonna be like the catalyst for all the events, and it's gonna take like in like a Friday the 13th approach, and we're gonna just have Michael like like we're gonna have Lori hallucinate and Michael's gonna act on the the will and whim of his mother and so like I thought that was interesting um there were times where the pacing of it felt off like it, it kind of it, it appeared to me he probably wanted to do something a little bit different but it got it just got so skewed by the monotony of it and yeah. like how dark they were trying to make it. Which this is also another movie that studio interference was a big thing. I know like Rob Zombie had a lot of trouble with the Weinsteins who who produced this movie. Um, so that should tell you a little bit about who he was dealing with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this movie was just like very troubled production. So I kind of like, I guess it's good that he was able to cobble something together. But I think if you were to ask Rob Zombie, he probably fucking hates this movie too. And I don't blame him because it, it, do, it does honestly, like, now that you tell me the studio was just going to do it and he just said, fuck it. Yeah. It really does seem that way. Like, it just seems like they had a bunch of thoughts and ideas and they just taped them on a dartboard and just flung them yeah. at. It's like, well, I, it's an it's another case of where the end of the first Rob Zombie one, uh, Lori literally shoots Michael point blank in the head. Yeah. Like, like it's clearly over. <laughs> yeah. And, and and this one, he's just like a fucking drifter. And, yeah. and he like, what? Like, I, I just, I don't know. It, it's just so between the pompousness of Loomis, um, the absolute deranged nature of Lori, like it's, yeah. it's not even like, oh, she's dealing with trauma. She's like off her fucking rocker and like yeah. <laughs> and like not in like a psychologically tormented way she's just straight up brutal in this yeah. movie um and it's like yeah it's zombie they made her younger she dealt with shit but like threatening her therapist like just give her the fucking prescription pad and she's drinking herself into a coma like i don't know it just didn't really <laughs> it was an interesting take yeah, 
but it's definitely interesting. <laughs> but the exploitation of it all, it just it really didn't work for me. And then Michael just and the kill and like the kills were so shallow in this one, and 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 also uh, making Michael grunt. Like I remember one of the earliest kills. It, w- it was in the hospital where Lori was at, and and Michael's killing one of the nurses, and he's grunting and making sounds. And off the bat, I was like, no, yeah, like, like this, no, don't the do killer- that. The killer in this movie is barely Michael Myers. It even it, yeah. looks different later on in the movie. He wears like the hood and the big jacket and stuff. And like you could put this on and not even realize you're watching a Halloween movie. Yeah. And um, I get like, I, for the sake of my own sanity, we're just going to cut together that here. Um, so All we right. have <laughs> on to 2018. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so at the end of this movie, we have this showdown where um sheriff bracket and everyone has has come to this shed near the farm where michael was at and this is where Lori is too laurie's been kidnapped and and she she thinks she's being held down with the power of michael and and his mother and and the and the and the younger version of him and, and and it's just like all hallucination and and Sam Loomis comes which I love that the sheriff basically wants to shoot him in the fucking face <laughs> for the death of Annie and and so um Sam goes in the shed and whatever and and this is and this is where like I already was done with this movie this is where I was like fuck this movie yeah. so <laughs> so Michael Michael grabs Sam uh pushes him out of the shed um, Sam, Sam, I, and I can't even hear what Loomis says because he mumbles this. So he says something and Michael talks. Michael says, die. Yeah. And I'm like, and you see his face. I'm like, okay. So in two seconds, you managed to reverse everything that was good about Michael Myers. And, and it's like, I don't know. I, I, and then, and then fucking Lori walks out and gets shot. It's like, yeah, man, <laughs> I genuinely fuck? wouldn't be surprised if Rob Zombie had just had enough at that point and was just like, fuck this movie. I just want to end this just based on what I know about the production. It might have just been like a middle finger to this movie by the own by its own director. Yeah, it really I really honestly believe that because it, it just it That's felt how it that feels. Way. Yeah. yeah, and then at the end, like and there was this theme of horses throughout the movie. So at the end, she's sitting in a psych ward and and her mother comes with the white horse, which is it's been a theme of the movie. Yeah, it shows up a lot in the movie. Right. And, and and then that's like and then she does like an evil smile. You know what it literally felt like? It literally felt like a fucking like someone dropped a hot uh, like a comic and hot topic by Jonah Vasquez. And <laughs> it was him trying to be edgy, like Michael, just, the just, homicidal maniac. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I used to read by the way. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> but like, it just, it was so fucking edgy. Like it tried yeah. to be edgy. And, and yeah, I think, was, I don't think you want to do this movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know, and and the whole like Angel Myers thing. I don't know. It just it's just all like like it just all fell flat for me. I, I yeah. didn't. I did not like this. Movie. Yeah, I think it's obvious that they their hearts were not in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. 
we're gonna we're gonna disinfect ourselves and now <laughs> move on to the 2018 Halloween. So you watched this one after watching Halloween Kills. Um, so what's interesting is like I've seen I've seen clips of the 2018 one. Mm-hmm. Uh I but for whatever reason, I never sat down and watched it. And and I was like, you know what? Uh, no, I'm I'm sorry. I, I didn't I didn't watch Kills before. I did. Oh, okay. I oh, I almost did. Okay, because I, I, I was gonna say it would be very confusing to watch Kills first. Yeah, yeah, but I did. But I watched them in the same day, I believe. Uh, no, I think I think that like within a day of each other. Anyway, so now we have the 2018 Halloween that says, "Hey, do you remember those ten movies?" Nope. <laughs> like this is just completely different. Like yeah. Laurie Strode is back, but she is not related to Michael. Right. And and like off the bat, I was kind of like, you know, I don't really know how I feel about that part. But then like once the movie starts to get going and you see that Laurie has this daughter. I think her name's Karen, and then she has a mm-hmm. granddaughter, and she's removed from the family because she's so crazy wrapped up in Michael and they don't want a part of her. And then the, the, her granddaughter is like, no, I like, I want to reconnect with her. And then like, once all that stuff starts happening, I was kind of like, all right, this is, this is kind of cool. Like it's, this is the direction I like to see. And Lori's trying to show them like the traps and the guns. And yeah. You she's be become careful. like, yeah, she's become like militarized. Yeah. Like her house is all booby trapped. She's got like weapons all over the place. She's shown like in a shooting range, like shooting at mannequins and stuff. Yeah, and I really love that. I, I yeah, think that I thought that, that actually, was gr- a great idea. I think that works because now we're talking forty years later, and <laughs> at this point, Lori is just like fucking wrecked. Like she's right. but 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 she channels since, that energy yeah. into something useful. And since this is a sequel to the seventy-eight one. The 78 one ends with Michael Myers' body gone. So Michael is not dead in this timeline. He never died and came back or had any kind of like ridiculous thing like that. So like he's locked up in a like psych ward and Laurie's just like out there with the knowledge that Michael is not dead. So it makes sense to like have her be like ready. You know, she's it's not like she's it's this like crazy paranoid thing where she is worried about like a dead man coming back he is alive like it's a known fact that he's alive so i thought that was right. like a really cool way to like show how like Lori has kind of been dealing with it instead of changing her name and like running from it she's like ready yeah i, I do i do respect that actually now that i think about it and this this one is starts the directorial path of david gordon green who uh who did pineapple express for this <laughs> man it's something like there really is such a link between comedy and tragedy because like like todd phillips did joker uh david gordon green did this it's like yeah for some reason Beale. it works sometimes yeah you know what it is with a horror movie especially compared to a comedy i think why it works so much is like structurally they're very similar it's just in one of them you're the build-up is to a punchline that you want everybody to laugh and one of them the build-up is to a kill or a scare or something like that but like as far as the format of like writing a horror movie versus writing a comedy 
I think there's a lot of similarities that make it like the transition's kind of easy. I, yeah, I agree. I, I, th- I think that's what makes it shine. Um, and so we have, a, because of course, uh, we have a couple podcasters who try to visit <laughs> Lori and she at first wants no part of it. And then uh, it's like, oh no, like, but it's Michael. And, and then, it, and then she like ends up reconnecting with her daughter and her granddaughter, uh, Allison. And this is kind of where shit ramps up because now Michael is <laughs> fucking on, on one of his usual rampages. He's at it again. At it again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like that Michael Myers. Um, so yeah, I would say, and, and like, obviously like there's a lot of similar characters in this. Um, and I really like that, like, um, with this and kills, they, they keep going back to like what happened that night in 78 and yeah. And it's like I said, they, since they decided to do away with the entire timeline that involves like the cult and all that stuff, they like went very back to human there is nothing supernatural in this movie they have completely like erased that from the franchise and so they're doing it's almost like i think there's a lot of influence of like true crime kind of storytelling yeah where it's truly just like a serial killer and it's it's very like grounded which i get i i mean i think it was a good decision we've seen the supernatural thing run its course I would have liked to see somebody else maybe tackle that side of it just because I do think with proper execution, it could have been good. But I understand like that they were like, you know what? Let's not do that for this one. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. Like I like I always say, man, if you keep it simple, it'll probably be effective. Yeah. And it, I like the 2018 one a lot, but I don't. Uh, my one like complaint sort of is they really didn't do anything groundbreaking with this movie. It was just very, a basic like Halloween movie and it worked great as that. It's just, they didn't, it it felt like it it lacked ambition a little bit. Yeah. I, I will say though, I do, I do like the twist of, so obviously since Dr. Loomis has been long dead there, there's like, not like his protege, but there's another doctor, um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Sartan, who who you presume is also after Michael for good reasons, but he becomes obsessed with him and like almost wants to be him. Yeah. So which was really that was a pretty cool yeah, like twist. I, I really like that because yeah, there's a scene yeah. where he's in the car, um uh and, and then like Allison ends up in the car, but then he like fucking drags Michael in the car after a showdown and, and like is going crazy and, and he wants to be him and he's trying to like put the mask on. And, and then that's when Michael of course uh, pops out in traditional yeah, Michael I think, fashion. Uh, and I don't think it's hard to like make this conclusion, but I think a lot of the things that they have to say with this movie are kind of about our own cultures, like obsession with serial killers and like true crime. Like you see that in a lot of the characters in this movie, which I thought was a pretty cool way to, to go about it. Like it felt very real, these characters and like the decisions they make, because we see this kind of stuff happen in real life. Yeah, for sure. I I do. I do think it, it is something that like on my first watch of it, I, 
I could kind of pick up on it, but yeah, after talking about it, it's they really did it in a good way. Like it felt Yeah, it's like these people are not afraid of Michael Myers. A lot of them are fascinated by him, which look at how people feel about serial killers nowadays. A lot of people are not afraid of them. They're fascinated by them and they yep. want to read books about them. And then there's people who take it too far, like the doctor in this and become like obsessed with these serial killers. And so that was kind of a different angle that we haven't seen in this franchise. Like we had other than maybe like a little bit in resurrection, but I don't think we've seen them tackle like people not being scared of Michael Myers, but being like interested in him or like fascinated by him. Yeah, it, it really is interesting. The the whole true crime aspect yeah. and, and so how it I does affect us. Yeah. So while I don't think the movie was necessarily groundbreaking, it did bring new things to the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course we have a, uh, that great showdown back at Lori's house and she's got like all the traps out and ends up knocking Michael into the basement and, and there's like this fucking spike trap that locks him in. And mm -hmm. once again, we have fire. <laughs> yep. It's only like the fifth movie to do, but, <laughs> but I mean, at this point it's like, yeah, try to burn the fucker alive. Right. Mm -hmm. like that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, but you can obviously hear like he he breathes at the end of it, so he obviously survived. Yeah. Well, it was um, great that part at the very end where they're seeing the fire trucks go to her house, and like you, it it's better than just being like, oh yeah, he ex he survived the explosion, which we see in Halloween Kills, like why he survived the explosion. It wasn't just like you know his he's fireproof. It, it, they kind of tried to make it make as much sense as it possibly can yeah yeah um yeah and and now we finally get to halloween kills <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so um this one is a mixed bag for me yeah i agree uh, yeah I I, I I gave it a three and a half out of five i i don't want to say like there's people out there saying it's one of the worst ones in the franchise i obviously do not agree with that i don't agree with that is no. it in my top three no but is it in my bottom three? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I think that like obviously, first of all, the the kills in this one are actually some of my favorite in the whole series. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I, but, I think like out out the gate like so obviously this picks up right from 2018. Yeah, just like and, the original Halloween two. Yeah, which I thought was really cool, and and the firemen are trying to rescue him, and they take him out, and and just they waste no time. Michael starts executing the entire fire yeah, squad, which is one of the coolest scenes yes. in this franchise, no doubt. That was yes. so like that was the first time we've seen like basically a Michael Myers like fight scene. You know, it wasn't just a kill; it was like a group of people versus. Michael Myers, and that was really cool. I thought they executed it really well. Yeah, which come which comes about again later in the film with, with the angry town. Um, but so another thing I really love about this movie is out the gate they they flash back to the events of 1978, which I loved. That sequence was awesome. Yeah, I I think that they they did a really good job of and whoever they got to play Loomis actually did a pretty decent job. Yeah. Like it was, I, it was, I, if you look at I've him been real seeing quick, online, 
yeah, I've been seeing online that they actually used like prosthetics. It wasn't like CG because now like everything is like, you know, we got to have this dead actor back in this as yeah. a CGI character that just looks weird. Yeah. And you can tell that they did practical effects because it looks really good. Yeah, I, I, I think that it was the way they executed it was really cool. And if you're a fan of the series, then you'll I think it's something you would appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like, oh, cool. They they actually, and it wasn't like a dog shit impression. Like the guy who voiced him, I think was different from the guy who actually played him. Like, like oh, they had, like they got a random actor to play him physically. And then they got somebody else to impersonate his lines. And it worked. Cause I was like, oh shit. Yeah. That actually yeah, sounds I, like Loomis. Yeah. I yeah. think that I, I disagree with anybody I've seen uh, criticizing that. Cause I thought it was, Really tastefully done and really well done. Yeah. No, I, I I really, when I first saw what they were doing, I was like, oh no, is it going to suck? I was like, no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was short. It was to the point and it didn't like, you know, they didn't, they didn't try to make him a character in the rest of the movie. It was just in those scenes. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So the, the movie um, shoots to uh, this bar scene where, everyone's celebrating the 40th anniversary of Michael's arrest. And we have Tommy Doyle once again, but who's played by Anthony Michael Hall, which, (laughs) which like so many times I had Photoshop open and I'm like, what could I put in the breakfast club as a quote (laughs) for Halloween guilt? Yeah. But yeah, it it was interesting because like at first I was like, fuck that casting but I, I think I think ended up working in a really weird way because he's a very angry person. And, <laughs> and after all this time, like he's in the bar with all the survivors and he's telling the story of what happened that night, like beware of the boogeyman and, and don't worry, there's plenty of awful dialogue to come. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but then, but then like after all that happens, they, they kind of, go back to like the events of the first one where Lori's being transported to the hospital. They see like the fire trucks passing Lori screaming, no, no, don't save him. And, and then Lori is basically in the hospital for pretty much the whole movie. Yeah. That was one of my many big complaints about this movie is that Lori was kind of like relegated to a side character. And I don't really know why they did that. It, it was like the move. The first one was so Lori centric and like, very clearly people liked that and wanted to see more of that. And I don't know. I, I, I can, it's like, I can see what they were going for trying to like expand it beyond Lori, but I thought it was not, it was too like abrupt. Yeah. And I, I think honestly to me, and, and you could have gotten away with this by, by just having a short stint in the hospital, but I think they were trying to set up for, like Frank, who was the the deputy that night in 78, who also ends up in the hospital and, and him and Lori kind of have that talk. And, and Frank's like explaining what really happened that night. And so like, I think it was a stupid way to shoehorn in that subplot, but they really should not have kept her in the hospital that whole time. Yeah. It just was too, like I said, it was just the transition from Lori as such a main character to such a side character was just so abrupt that I think it was a little bit jarring to do it that way. 
Yeah. And, and so this movie becomes an angry mob movie. So like once they know that Michael is out again to kill. Yeah. Tommy Doyle gets the town together. And, and this is where we start to see the idiocracy of mob mentality come into play. Yeah. Cause they all, Which this just, is the second mob in the Halloween franchise. Cause Halloween four also had a mob versus Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was definitely like that. The Halloween four mob was definitely small. Like this one pretty much encompassed like half of the town, which yeah. I thought was crazy. Yeah. Like, um, and, and, you know, one other thing that was cool. I liked the nod to season of the witch in this with, yeah. with the three masks. I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. It um, was with the kids it on was, the playground and shit. It yeah. was something I wish they didn't spoil in the trailer, but what are you going to do? Yeah, but we're talking about Universal. Like, the, yeah, <laughs> that's all they fucking do is they spoil their movies. Yeah. Um. So the whole, the whole mob thing, I would have maybe been okay with more, but just the whole evil dies tonight rhetoric, like, <sighs> it was man. so bad. I mean, yeah. Again, I get what they were going for. It yeah. clearly was trying to say something about the world as it is right now and i get it it's just it it was so i don't know it was like almost too on the nose i feel like they they didn't whereas the first one was like pretty good with with kind of like saying things about certain issues this one i think they took it too far and it was just like so it lacked subtlety so much that i it was just like cringy yeah and and i also fucking and again like you said i know what they were going for but i absolutely fucking hated when the the angry mob starts chasing that that patient who was also in the same mental hospital as michael and they think it's michael and they're fucking which (laughs) really quick side note when they're when they're going up the stairs chasing him and the the sheriff (laughs) The sheriff's face is my favorite. He's like, no. <laughs> um, but then they chase this poor fucking guy. They trap him in a room, and and Karen, um, uh, Lori's uh, daughter, who by the way I didn't mention earlier, but is played by Judy Greer, mm-hmm. who who I think does a great job. She she like traps him in to protect him, and then he ends up jumping out the window and dying. And and then it's only then where the mob's like, oh, maybe that wasn't Michael. Like, <laughs> yeah, no fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like it's like you said, I know what they were going for. And and somebody on Twitter the other day tried to like give their opinion on everything going on. And um, so basically the tweet was something like, so uh, and, and you may have seen this too. It was something like, well, if you really think about it, look at the events that transpired. Like Dr. Loomis spent all this time psychotically wrapped up in this story of Michael Myers trying to trying to thwart him and bring justice. And, and throughout the years, his mental state dwindled to the point where he was just incoherent and he only had one mission in mind was to get Michael and to kill evil. And throughout the, the series, you hear Loomis say multiple times, like, he is true evil. You look at his eyes, there is nothing. He is evil. He must be stopped. And so what the guy in the tweet was trying to say was like, 
the town of Haddonfield manifested the energy of Loomis's mission and psychotic descent. And that's what happened. I'm like, yeah, but no, yeah, like it didn't me, really, but then translate. Yeah. Something I've seen a lot with people defending this movie. And again, I don't think either of us hated this movie. We're just able to discuss the fact that it is a flawed movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't, want to admit that so they're like layering on all these meanings that are not at all present in the movie just to kind of like justify some of the flaws yeah and it's like i think the movie is just was just kind of flawed like the pacing was bad the editing was terrible in this movie yeah i i couldn't tell i couldn't tell which parts i was supposed to feel suspense and which parts i was supposed to laugh right because you would go from a scene that was supposed to be suspenseful and just like dead stop into a scene that is not at all even like that the opening like you get that great flashback scene and then it goes straight to the bar scene which is like totally not it's a with the bar scene is a long dialogue heavy scene that totally like kills the pace immediately that's the beginning of the movie yeah and the pacing is already getting weird so it's yeah i see what you mean like you you don't really know like what scenes am i even supposed to anticipate michael showing up and like that could have been utilized to scare you but it it's not yeah no so that that totally just fell flat for me and and like there's there's like i said there's redeeming parts like i I love the love the kills in this one. Right. Uh love the continuity. I of course Carpenter with the score. Mm-hmm. Um I think the yeah, have one of the better soundtracks and um but yeah, no, obviously like the, <laughs> it is there's glaring flaws in this right. one and and especially I, because I felt the the 2018 one was really good. I, this felt like a yeah. step down from that to me it very much felt like the middle movie because the, yeah. the, because there's going to be a final one called halloween ends and and, right. and it basically this just felt like the filler movie mm-hmm. it was a lot of filler a lot of yeah. introducing these new characters like clearly these characters are gonna well some of them are gonna be important moving into the third movie and so it was like a lot of yeah setting up and and filling time till we get to the third one and then maybe when the third one comes out we'll be able to like look at this trilogy a little differently and feel a little bit better about halloween kills but on the initial reaction i think it just came off as very very flawed yeah um and i do i do like when when karen stabs him with the pitchfork and takes the mask and yeah, lures like him outside head. Yeah. yeah i remember i remember too i was watching it with my dad and he's like Oh my god, are we gonna are we gonna see Michael's face? And I was just like, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Relax. Um, and then like that's where he's confronted by the this big angry mob headed by Tommy. And then there's this big fight scene. But uh, but of course, like at first you think Michael, oh my god, is there a chance Michael is gonna die? And and then obviously, like he just gets right back up and destroys them all. <laughs> yeah, which was cool. I, I thought that sequence was really cool. I liked how it was like basically the entire sequence was done in close-ups and like slow motion shots. That was pretty cool and something a little bit different. So yeah. I, liked, I, I did like that scene. And I like at the very end where Karen like goes into the, the bedroom and, and Michael just straight up stabs her like it. Yeah. Like, and it pretty much doesn't even leave question. Like she's dead. 
Yeah, like, she's, she's not, not living through yeah. that. Like, there's no fucking way. And so the final shot is um, Lori staring out of the hospital room while Michael stares out the window, which, of course, is like been a th- recurring theme in the entire series, which I thought was like a nice way to end it. Because it's like we have a we have a cool twist. We have the death of her daughter, and then it'll you know it'll set up for the events of hopefully yeah. a much more saving grace ending to the show. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I'm hoping for. I, yeah. I, it's hard when it's so clearly going to be a very streamlined trilogy. Like this movie takes place directly after the 2018 one, so like the having a year wait in between. I think is going to hurt this movie. Whereas when we finally get the full collection and we can watch all three movies at the same time, I might feel differently, but we'll see. Yeah. um, I mean, it it really, it really is one of those things where I, as a whole, I really enjoy the Halloween series. I think it is definitely gotta be in my top three as far as like mainstream slashers go. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite any weaknesses it has, you can't deny that for the most part, there's cool kills. There's always a good atmosphere. There's always a good score. Um, and this it, one um, also does have a great mask, which is always an important factor in these movies. Oh yeah. So many, so yeah. many of them have had bad masks. Yeah. And so I, I think that it really, the series as a whole is very strong there there's weak parts but i i think that i think that at at the end of the day the the whole mission statement of halloween is like a perfect balance of psychological dread and slasher and i think that most of the movies manage to capture that Mm -hmm. and that and and that's what makes it good to me yeah and i do think this one did Michael the character of Michael Myers justice? This went back to the you know Michael Myers as this like scary emotionless killer, which yeah. some of the other ones, like I said, he he gets goofy in some of them, and then you know, so I, I do appreciate that. I think in the grand scheme of the franchise, Halloween Kills is like I said, it's not in the bottom three. I think it's ridiculous for people to say it's one of the worst movies. In the franchise. I don't think they've watched the whole franchise. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would be willing to bet they've never seen five or six. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm you know, the, just because it's a little bit flawed, it's not going to kill my excitement for the rest of the, for the end of this trilogy. And I'm still grateful that we just get to see Halloween movies that are actually well-made this late into this franchise's existence. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is good fun. And I'm glad that Halloween and horror in general has such a tight-knit community that these companies actually have half a brain and see that. And they're mm-hmm. actually... I mean, think about it, man. Like, we, we've we had the resurrection of so many cool things. Like, we've had Halloween uh, with this movie, and then we'll have Ends. Uh, we have a new Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. Which yeah, I still a, have yet to watch, but I, I haven't I seen it to, either. Yeah. But I'm going to watch it. Soon. I've heard it's good. Uh, we have a new Chucky series, mm-hmm. which, which I've also heard is great. Which, by the way, I watched the first episode and it's phenomenal. Yeah, I still got to. I got to watch it. Yeah, because um, you have Mancini uh, back on the production, and you have um, the original voice of Chucky. So, like, it Brad Durif, baby. Brad Durif, yeah, exactly. Love Brad Durif. Um, 
And so that's great. And then, uh, and then they're even continuing Puppet Master, and we and and they did a new Candyman. So like, it's cool that we just have like this little resurgence of of horror. And it's like, it's cool too because at the end of the day, no matter how shitty these horror sequels may be, they're they're fun. Like they mm-hmm. like this whole genre is just fun. Like you could just unwind and be like, man. Those are some cool kills and like the story doesn't even fucking matter. And I hate these characters, but like, <laughs> it's just fun. Yeah. Like it's, I'm glad we have this. Yeah, you know? I agree. I, I think horror is bigger than it's ever been right now. And because of that, we're getting a lot of really great stuff. And so if, you know, one movie comes out, that's a little bit divisive. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. No, and it'll get people talking, and I think it would increase the hype for Halloween ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Halloween Kills made a fucking ton of money, so they're oh yeah, it's still going strong. Oh yeah. Um. So before we wrap this up, I want to ask you. So once Halloween ends comes out, what do you what do you think is in store for the future of the series? Honestly, I mean, like I always say, whenever we talk about franchises and sequels. As long as these movies are going to keep making money, they're going to keep making, they're going to find a way to keep making them. And these movies have made a ton of money. So I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, It will be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, you know, like I said, I mean, they, the original plan was to make Halloween movies that did not feature Michael Myers. I don't know if they'll do that, but maybe they'll make a series or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I was actually kind of thinking that they'll probably green light an anthology series because I I think that would almost be the next natural progression because like we've had so many timelines of Michael at this point that it's like what do you even do like it has been like there's been original and then there was the offshoot and then there was the the pickup from the original then there was a reboot then there was a retcon then there was another retcon so it's like at this point i could see them just saying fuck it and doing like a show where it doesn't I think focus be great. on michael and i would yeah, like I think that that would yeah. be great i think it'd be a good idea but and they better cast tom atkins <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so i i'd be very surprised if halloween ends is the actual end no, I don't. I do not think it's. The yeah, I, I don't think anybody thinks. <laughs> I don't think no. anybody trusts them to. There's, to there's that. no way. How, like, when you think of horror, Halloween has been like one of the longest standing, yeah. consistent series out there. Like, they're, yeah, they're not I mean, just gonna kill it, right? Michael is no. on the Mount Rushmore of horror. There's no doubt about that. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't foresee him going away especially with these movies being so popular and making so much money yeah now my question is where's the next evil bong movie <laughs> which i which honestly i think i heard they're doing a spinoff of i that. have never i know of that movie i've never watched it <laughs> well that's our next watch party <laughs> <laughs> okay oh fuck yeah um yeah i mean man i could i could go on and on about the series because I love most of it. I hate some of it, but at the end of the day, it's good, dirty fun. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just such a good time. Right. You you'll never be bored with the franchise. You know, like some of the movies are not great, but none of them are boring. I, in my opinion. Yeah. As idiotic as shit gets, like even, even with the second zombie one, 
It certainly yeah. wasn't boring. Like no. it was, it was just <laughs> crazy as fuck. Right. But uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, this this is one I I have wanted to record for a while. I'm glad we finally did it. Uh, yeah. It's funny because like when we got together, and I was looking at our archives of episodes, I'm like, how have we never done? Because we did a Carpenter one, but we never like did an actual Halloween episode. Yeah, there are so many topics that I'm like, have we done this yet? Why do I feel like we've done it? And then I'm like, <laughs> I don't think we've done it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's the Halloween series. Uh. I'm sorry y'all had to listen to us talk about six and <laughs> 2009, but like, I guess but we it's okay. To. Cause evil dies tonight. Evil do be dying tonight, <laughs> which actually is my name in the zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's going to wrap it here. I believe uh, next week on the 27th, which is a Wednesday, we'll be having our watch party of the exorcist three, which, I'm really excited for because yeah, like too. we started to watch it when we went to the beach house and then we turned it off and I was like, shit, yeah. I, I want to watch it. And yeah, now we'll get to it. Yeah, it's great. I'm excited to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Now we'll get to see Fabio and his, all his glory yep. and Brad Dorif again. And Brad Dorif, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll be doing that on the 27th. We'll aim for about eight o'clock and I have links to our discord. So if you want to join us, feel free. And uh, I have some other fun stuff coming out too. Uh, I'll be having a review, a small review of brain damage coming out soon. Um, some other stuff too. And yeah. And with that, that's all we can really say for now about Halloween. And uh, hopefully ends will be a really satisfying, <laughs> a really satisfying conclusion. That yep. trilogy. And evil dies tonight. And evil do be done. Just a reminder. Just, just in case. <laughs> so anyway, this has been the Silver Screen Fiends podcast. I've been Sam. I'm Blake. And we are signing the fuck off. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> evil do be <we> done. <laughs> Tommy Doyle rules. <laughs> yep. Free Loomis. <laughs> Free my man Loomis. <laughs> <laughs>